gosh, amen, amen. I, uh, I don't know about you, but when I hear, even just right, right there, thank you for that word. When I think of freedom and how Christ sets us free, I just think of how many people that are in our spheres of influence, in our neighborhoods, in our communities, our coworkers, uh, that are bound by something that they would long to receive that freedom from. So my first thought is how can we share the freedom that we've been offered, um, that gift of salvation that we've received uh, with others in our sphere of influence. And I just know I like to go on about things that are not in my notes, so I'm going to start my timer, actually, um, with that as that was my reminder right there because that was not even a part of it. Um, so, <laughs> so thank you right away, um, Kitsap House, for allowing me to come and hang out. Um, with Megan on maternity leave sitting in the front row. Um, it was so much fun to be able to, uh, to come and be the first one here in the six-week journey um, where a bunch of different people that you guys support, that you engage with, um, get to share on the theme of seeking the shalom of the city. And seeking the shalom right away, what are some ways that we can not only pray for, but also help others find the welfare, the help, the peace that God offers? And really, if you look up shalom, those are the words that come to mind right away. And one that really kind of stood out is, well, welfare, other than like a government check, what, like, what else would it really entail? So I looked up the definition. It said, helping to promote the health, happiness, and fortunes of a person or group. So how can we do this from a faith perspective? How can we do this in being a good neighbor um, and in sharing what God has done for us? And I think it's important to think about because we have a great call in Jeremiah 29.7 to help seek the shalom, help seek the peace and welfare of the city, of the place that we are called to be in right now. So today I'm going to share some of my story. I'm also going to encourage you to get a little more comfortable with your story and how that can help open up so many avenues of conversation with those in your area of influence. And we're also going to do this while looking at the Word of God and seeing um, someone's story that was radically transformed uh, by Jesus and what his call to go and share was, was like. You know, I was so ashamed of my personal story for so long. Uh, see, I was raised in the church. I didn't, probably because I wasn't allowed to, but I did not miss a church service or a youth group growing up from as early as I can remember. There was a couple times a week that I had to be at a church service or youth group, whatever. I could give all the right Christian answers like on a test, whether it was multiple choice or not, but I really was riding the coattails of my parents' and grandparents' faith. It really wasn't made my own. And earlier on, when I was only eight years old, my childhood hero, hero my dad, was killed in a car accident right after he had just turned 30. So it really was kind of just shaken up a little bit when I was, not a little, quite a bit when I was young. And I went on in life trying to please people and fill that void you know, in any way I could, through people pleasing and just trying to get accolades in that regard. I really could fit in with any group, kind of like a chameleon, but that also meant when you can fit in with any group that you're never your full self in any of them. And after high school and into college, you know, fitting in with different groups, parties became more common, um, and I really wanted them to last longer, so I kind of gave into the temptation and offer of, of cocaine and allowing like that to keep the party going, and I really grew tired after a good amount of time doing that multiple nights a week of watching the sun come up, knowing that I had to, still being awake, watching the sun come up, and knowing that I had to either go to work 
or school and that the only way that I could continue or even to make it through was to do more. I was then introduced to opiates to help at the very late wee hours of the morning or late hours of the night uh, take some opiates and be able to calm down and soon those pain pills graduated to heroin and almost seven years later while living a double lifestyle as a sales manager in the car business and full-blown drug addict in the double lifestyle uh, mindset it really caught up with me and work found out sent me to a rehab I failed that rehab attempt even though I graduated rehab I had drugs in my car in the parking lot and was pretty much high within five minutes of receiving my completion certificate I um, lost my job and had to move back in with my mom after losing my place of living to at 26 years old. I kept using. If that wasn't enough, that wasn't a rock bottom moment. I uh, moved in with mom. She said, you can stay here as long as you're not doing anything uh, drug wise. Only weeks later to come home and find out that the locks were changed on the house. There was a duffel bag on the front porch, um, a little small testament like New Testament Psalms and Proverbs Bible with a note tucked in that says others had tried to help you. You know who to turn to, uh, but it's up to you to do the work. And on the back was a phone number to Seattle Union Gospel Mission. I reluctantly went, um, and on day three of being in this year-long inpatient recovery program, by the way, uh, I was introduced to Alpha. And I went because I heard food, and it would get me out of rehab one night a week, to be honest. But um, I found out there on night one that the people were different and that they didn't want anything other than conversation and friendship. They strived to meet me right where I was and really right how I was. And during that course, my, like, my Christian knowledge really fell from head to heart, um, from an awareness to a relationship. And life as I knew it changed as a result. I jumped into church and really just wanted to grow. I wanted others to receive what I had just been uh, kind of granted or uncovered. Um, I went on to intern at UGM for another 15 months, Union Gospel Mission, another 15 months after I completed that year-long recovery program, and also a part of that was an expedited kind of two-year, first two years of seminary that we were able to complete there as well. Um, was hired on as staff afterwards to do some case management work and help people coming into the program for their first 30 days. Um, stayed involved with Alpha the whole time and actually ended up meeting uh, my wife Carrie at Alpha who we've now been married for eight and a half years which is super fun so you never know what kind of relationship you're going to find like up and out like all good um, and then after working at UGM for a year I applied for uh, the regional director of Alpha and I've been on staff with Alpha USA for almost eight years now as well and it was so it's been so much fun to be a part of because I wanted others to experience the way that God had changed my life I know how I was, I know how I am now, like at that moment of change and I've only continued to grow. I know that I couldn't have done it on my own because I didn't have the ability. I tried and failed miserably time and time again, but God could. And when we realize the change that happens, it's a realization that God wants to do the same for you and hopefully not the same way, but in different ways and how he wants to be able to even use that. See, I was embarrassed on my story I couldn't believe that I let myself get to a place that I needed year-long inpatient. It's like signing up for jail almost when you think about it from the outside. Um, but God's story of how he changed my life is worth sharing. It's his redemptive story that I got to be able to be a part of. And now with some practice and trust that God will continue to use it, I do find it a little bit easier. Um, and I hope that's what we can do today. 
is to be able to find some elements of our life that how, of how God has impacted us and to be able to share that so it might open a door of conversation. Um, Maddie and others mentioned um, that I do work for Alpha USA, and if you're not familiar with Alpha or the Alpha course, um, my job really is to get to work with churches and organizations um, to help them engage through this course um, with their community through a conversation. And I often describe Alpha as a course um, that really helps churches listen to their community, right? Like just creating that space for a more open door conversation um, through faith exploration, right? It's really based off the 10 most commonly asked questions of someone exploring faith. What we do so often is tell stories, listen to people's stories, in hopes that we can earn the right to share the ultimate story, the gospel. And as we think about sharing stories, I just encourage you right now as we really kind of jump in, could you think of three people that are in your life right now who don't, like, would not ever find themselves on a Sunday morning at church, who don't know Jesus, who don't know why your faith is important to you? Who are three people in your life that you could think of um, that you would love to have them encounter Jesus? Because your story might just be the ticket to open that conversation. Something that's happened in your life might just help open that conversation. And there might be some people in this room that are actually on the fence themselves, right? Maybe you in this room haven't fully put your uh, trust in Jesus. And I hope today you can listen to some things that, that Jesus has done in my life um, throughout scripture. And maybe even chatting with someone after service or even at Yoked what God has done for them. Because uh, today could be a day that you say yes to him. It's fully up to you, but I'm glad that you're here either way. So does everyone have three people in mind? Hopefully you don't have to put hands up, but hopefully a coworker, neighbor, friend, child, uh, family member, or even yourself. Um, we just love for people to think of, of three that might be open to this type of invitation. How many people in here like to tell and hear good news, right? Good news? We all share news with people all the time. Like think of social media and how many conversations just start with, guess what I just did? Or guess what I just saw? You know, guess what I was just a part of? But the best news of all for some reason is literally like the hardest to share, the gospel. What faith means for us is literally like the hardest to share. There's a recent poll from Barna. Barna is a big research institute that works with faith-based nonprofits and organizations all over. It said 96% of believers said that following Jesus is the best decision they ever made. They took that 96% and half of them said that evangelism is wrong. Sharing Jesus with others is wrong, but it's like the best thing that ever happened to me. I just don't want to tell anybody else about it. Like he might not have enough room. I'm not sure, right? And think about it. Like when the Seahawks won the Super Bowl, I didn't have to ask you. Like I just wanted to have conversations about it and see what you thought, whether you were a Seahawks fan or not. I wanted to have conversations about it because I thought it was exciting and it was good news. Yet the greatest news of all, we often don't share. So let's jump into someone in um, scripture here that had a story to tell, the demon-possessed man whom Jesus healed. In Mark 5, verses 18 through 20, it says, as Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. But Jesus did not let him, but said, Go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell on the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and all the people were amazed. 
a story has a beginning, a middle, and an end. Our story, our stories, our lives are still ongoing, right? We're in here, we're breathing, this is good. Um, we all have a past, a present, and a future that we still have a lot of opportunity to shift. And let's take a look real quick at some of the past. Let's take a look at the demon-possessed man's past before Jesus came to see him and even before he healed him. Earlier in Mark 5, starting in verse 3, it says, This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. And there's a picture of how Jesus still um, just walked up, wanted to approach him, but everybody else was scared of him. Jesus didn't want to be, I mean, sorry, people didn't want to be around him. He didn't even like himself. He was crying out and cutting himself, but Jesus still approached him, saw potential future. This guy had no hope of a normal future in community. He was literally cast out into the mountains. They tried to keep him there away from any, everyone. And when I think of my journey, my past, as I share, there was drugs, lies, people-pleasing, not acting like the person that I know I was created or even taught and brought up to be. I had to move in with my mom, for crying out loud, at like 26 and a half years old after failed rehab, younger siblings in the house, like embarrassing, like all the way across the board, just no good. But I, could, I just I couldn't stop. Even my mom, my biggest fan, had to change the locks on the house, but left me a note that said, you know, no one else can help you, but you know the source of hope, the source of help. You know it in your head. It's time for you to lean in, right? Um, it was accompanied with a UGM phone number, kind of like a group of friends that would be a support system to help foster that relationship. And that's some of my journey, but all of our past, all of our journeys are really important to look at. And there's ways that God has helped um, that we can all be able to share with others. And dramatic testimony, by no means, is the only story that needs to be shared. We all have a story, right? We all have a story, a past, that might even just help others realize that that void in their life, that empty space, is actually a God-shaped hole that only he can fill. We all have layers of internal challenges that sharing with vulnerability and transparency really could help open that dialogue with someone else. And these are things that actually really can help someone else. I personally love hearing a story of someone that's been a stable believer. They've hardly wavered uh, because it brings a lot of hope um, to me that a solid relationship like that doesn't have to go through as many of the crazy turnaround. Like you don't have to get, d get divorced and remarried to the same person over and over and over again, right? Like you can be in a stable relationship that goes even beyond that. Unwavering faith is not a boring story to tell. And I, I do kind of just get annoyed sometimes when people say, my, my testimony isn't good enough, or I don't even have one at all. Because I know that everyone in here has endured tough times. You've most likely gone through things that you probably even forgot about, or two, didn't give God credit for helping you get through, right? Think of some of these that aren't as visible, but depression, anxiety, guilt, shame, regret, deceit, fear, or even fear of the unknown, fear of failure. And there's some awesome outcomes and learnings that come from all these situations, not just the radical ones, but these daily internal battles where only God can meet you, you know, as well. Then there are the bigger ones, 
that can be maybe a little more visible to others. So there's tough situations in our life, right, that can really be more um, just visible across the board, right? Think of um, levels of grief that maybe you've experienced. God was able to meet you there in comfort and give um, eternal life. There's financial concerns. How did our provider meet you where you were and help you get through? Geographical relocations. You thought you were all alone, but God was already there and met you um, right when you arrived. Professional. He knew the challenges and changes were going to happen even before you did. Relational. He never leaves you nor forsake you. He chose you and made you. He calls you sons and daughters, one of the most intimate of relationships. So we do need to look at what he has done for us. And maybe you need to take a look at some of those things that you've gone through and say, what if I replaced my memory of what happened instead of good luck or just a chance with God or because of God this happened? Think of like, who did, you, who did he bring in your life at exactly the right moment? Did something happen after you doubted it would be the case or after you prayed for something and you just maybe wrote it off as coincidence or forgot you even prayed about it in the first place? What difficult time did you get through when you didn't even think it was possible? Like, we've all heard the people, I don't even know how I'm going to make it, right? But look where we are. And so I love, I'd love for each of us as a takeaway, um, before we just jump into the rest here, to even be able to fill in this blank. I knew God was present when, what? Because someone might be able to say, well, like, what does church do for you? Well, I know God was present in my life when the bondage of addiction was taken. When I didn't have to think about relapse or have those desires or have those dreams even. Um, I knew God was present then. I also knew God was present when he helped me get over the emotional um, trauma of, of losing my dad, even though I didn't even process till much later in life. So whatever you thought of, Hopefully you thought maybe something came to mind even right there is something that could be shared. That's a God moment that could open conversation for someone else. So there's definitely the start of the story, our past, right? Um, but now we're in the middle, the present. After being healed, this demon-possessed man, the man begged to go with him. He just wanted to go hang out with Jesus. It seems like a, like a valid point, right? But Jesus said, no. Go home to your own people Go home to your own people, go back to your city, and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. Dude, the demon-possessed man just wanted to, like, get in the boat, like, let's go, man. I just want to, like, I'm your ride or die. I'm going to be one of your best advocates. He probably thought he'd be like, I'm best promoter. I'm going to start the whole promotion scene. People are going to be able to hear how I was and see how I am now and not even believe it. But demon-free, set on a new path, one version actually says he was now orderly and in his right mind. Like I know for me in my journey, it was, it was broken. Family and friends didn't want much to do with me either. I'm lucky I didn't get to a point where I was like bound up and thrown out to the mountains. But um, I realized that things weren't going to work the way that they were going on. But I did know that I wanted what others had. Even as I was trying to think of ways like how, how could life be different? I saw others who embodied like high character and positive attributes as something that I could maybe occasionally act like or strive for in certain situations. And that's about when I was at the Union Gospel Mission, invited to Alpha, and that first week of Alpha, I was like, literally, once again, I'm like food and out of rehab. So that was like my mindset, right? I didn't know what was to come. And I remember actually grabbing my plate to grab seconds. I was like, sweet, seconds at the mission suck. These seconds are like way better. Like I'm pretty excited about that. 
and the topic of week one popped up. Is there more to life than this? And I was like, oh, God. Like, I knew God didn't work by coincidence. I just didn't know, like, how obvious it was going to be. I should probably pay attention because I was asking a question, a version of this question um, to myself quite often. Like, Christian, I know you're better than this. You were taught different. You were raised different. You know what to do. But internally, I just couldn't do it. God had me there for a reason, and I don't think it was there for that second helping of food, even though it was good. Um, I think it was more of a spiritual food that I found out um, later on how much he had in store for me. And soon after that true exploration of faith, I heard about some of those attributes that I was striving for described in Galatians 5, and 23 as the fruit of the Spirit. And it said, but the fruit, the evidence of the Holy Spirit, the evidence of God working in your life is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Nine things that we would all like strive to have probably more of in our life. And we'd really like everybody that we're in relationship with to maybe show us a little bit more of too, right? And I love how it ends though. Against such things, there is no law. God has given us this authority, this power, his presence as a birthright. There's no law against it. There's nothing um, that, they, that can be taken away. It's really just the enemy, the earthly ways um, that steal those through difficult situations. But when we continue to lean into God's presence and power, we can embody those with much more freedom and consistency. And we can respond in a way like, wow, I know God was present because that's not how I used to be. Right? And I love being able to actually experience that. And we all have an opportunity to share those type of moments wherever we live, we work, we have recreation, whatever it may be. And we can further embrace the fruit of spirit in our life and continue to pray in Jesus' name against all the things that come against that, um, that even help hinder some of our relationships or even some of our boldness to lean in when we know that we could be prompted to do so. So thinking of the present, Here's a little litmus test that I like to do uh, for myself, a question that's worth, worth asking maybe yourself each day. Am I personally giving people a reason to explore faith in Jesus, or am I allowing them to make the no pretty easy? Are people asking themselves what makes you different? Like, where does that, where does that source of hope, of optimism, of eternal gratitude come from? And I know it's a present reality check, one that I don't pass every day, that's for sure. Um, but I do hope to pass more often as I continue to grow and continue to go on. Um, so I love that in the present. Like, are we giving people a reason to even be curious? Because uh, it all starts even just with curiosity and trusting us. So we have a past, we have a present, and then just look at some next steps real quick. Let's look at the demon, formerly now, demon-possessed man's um, next steps. So the men went away after he was told, like, nah, dude, don't come with me. We need you to go share this somewhere else. So the, starting in verse 20, so the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and all the people were amazed. Look at that. And all the people were amazed at his story. He went away and started to tell his story after Jesus said, go, go to the 10-city region called the Decapolis. In Greek, Deca is 10 and Polis' city. So there's a 10-city region, like his maybe county that we would probably call it now. Go back to your county and tell them what the Lord has done for you. And here's a picture of the Decapolis region. Today it would be modern day like Jordan with some Israel and Syria in there as well. 
But let's look real quick at the important difference in what Jesus said to this man versus what he went out and did and said. Jesus told him to go tell everyone how much the Lord has done for him. And what did he do? He went and told everyone what Jesus did for him, that Jesus healed him, that Jesus saved him. He told them that Jesus made himself, this formerly demon-possessed, shackled and chained man, free, set free, and in his right mind. This was indicating that Jesus shares the same nature as God himself, that they really are the same. He made the connection that Jesus is God and healed him and saved him. And many of us have had an opportunity or have heard about many situations that, you know, Jesus has healed, has comforted, has led, or even just restored in our own lives as well, things that we thought were beyond repair. And I love that final statement in that scripture that all the people were amazed. They didn't doubt him because they knew him before. They saw him how he was before, bound, shackled, possessed. And then they saw him after. This was an obvious shift, obvious, you know, outside of his own ability. If he was cutting himself and wanted to change but couldn't, this was obviously something that happened from an external source. And people can't challenge that story, right? When he went out to tell that story, even whether they knew him or not, it's really hard to challenge someone's old story, their journey, the twists and turns that have led you to where you are right now. People can't challenge that internal truth that powers how you act, and sometimes even more importantly, how we react in certain situations. You know, I told you I felt nudged to use my story of reconciliation to help others through case management, you know, mission uh, support, but also with Alpha regionally, nationally, and even some global events now. Because I wanted people to have that same opportunity that I was given to explore and to just feel the difference that, that God makes, not to mention the eternal hope that is promised with that. And people do want a place to explore. It seems like our society's pretty tough ground, but people do want a place to explore. And your story, your actions, your responses might just give them that option, that freedom, or that permission to do so. You know, your story could really be the lens by which they start to even see or explore God in a new way. You know, recently, as, as COVID was starting to slow down, I don't want to say ended because it's still, it's still, you know, um, COVID is still out there, but um, Google Analytics showed that prayer and church online were in the top 10 most Google searched items. So people have questions. They just don't quite know where to go. And oftentimes they might say, oh, I didn't know you went to church. And that's probably because we haven't leaned in. I know I've had people say that, and it's hard for me to hide. My name's Christian. I work for an evangelistic organization. I'm like, what type of mask was I wearing if people had no idea what I do? Like, it's like it kind of point, case in point, like that litmus test, fail for the day, right? People have questions and don't know where to go. So how many people do we actually engage with intentionally? How many people could use our encouragement or our story? How many people would want that same sense of peace that Jesus offers that we've been able to experience? Are we holding it for ourselves? Are we a part of that 50% that thinks it's wrong to share? Or are we leaning in? When the demon-possessed guy shared his story, all were amazed. They saw what Jesus did for him. So here's some just takeaways that I hope we can leave with. It's only three words, but hopefully it'll prompt something. And um, it's actually even alliterated, and I don't know if that makes it more challenging or easier to remember, but I'm going to even start with that one, so it's almost like a free one. The first one's actually even remember, right? Easier to remember, first one's remember. There we go. Um, so remember all that God has done for you and that he's always working for the good, even in tough times. 
my dad dying, addiction has actually been used for good more times than I can tell to be able to walk with others through those situations. So remember, realize that people need to hear your story of faith, your journey. Hearing other people's faith actually builds faith in others quite often. So remember, realize, and then recognize that God wants to use you. You know, he could bring everybody back to himself on his own, but for some strange reason, he chooses to use us anyway as his hands and feet, as salt and light to preserve and to bring hope. Our stories need to be shared and we're all called to do so. Um, we even have the Great Commission as it's often referred to. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I will be with you always till the end of the age. So God is with us as we share. The word go is actually in scripture 1,514 times, so I think it's probably not on accident that it's uh, in there. I didn't count, don't worry, but I do trust who did. Um, and as we continue to go, our horizontal relationships will be able to increase in such a way that we can point people to what gives us um, our life change, our, uh, the hope that we experience. And I like that as a picture of the cross. We grow here and experience more here together, right? So go, I just encourage you guys, share your story because it does matter. And when we realize that Christ is enough for us, we're all, we are called um, to share that with others. So as we get ready to, to close in prayer, I think I'm supposed to invite um, little ones uh, back in here or older, younger ones. Uh, anybody that's left actually can come back in at this time. Matter of fact, if you're even behind the wall and you've heard us for a while, um, you're welcome to come in at this time too because I do know that for some people in this room, as I mentioned before, this might be new. Um, maybe it's time for you to make a, a moment of rededication of being actually not able to just keep faith for yourself, but to maybe make faith alive and have it be more a part of what you do day in and day out. Or maybe you've never said yes to Jesus at all, and this could be a moment that for the first time you do so. And if either one of those are for you, or if you just did a rededication yesterday and you just want a little top off of the tank today, um, then we're just going to say a simple prayer that you could echo in the silence of your heart that just is really thank you, sorry, and please. So if you want to bow with me wherever you are um, across that, that spectrum, or if you even just want to listen and save it for another time, that's okay too. But Lord, we just thank you that you are here. Lord, thank you that you gave your son Jesus to take my sins and to take all of our sins and forgive us. Lord, thank you that he died for me. Make that personal. Thank you that he died for me. Sorry for all the ways that I have fallen short and not done what is right, even when I know better. Lord, please now come into my life by the power of your Holy Spirit and fill me with your presence so that I can become even more so the person that you created me to be. I receive you now, Lord Jesus, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And for everyone in here, if you, if you say, hey, you know what, I probably have some ways that I could share my story more effectively with a little more boldness. I know there's opportunities maybe that we've uh, let for go, like let, let go, and we haven't stepped into. If you want to receive a little bit of that boldness or courage, I like to open my hands. It's like a physical representation of receiving. Um, so if you're comfortable in doing so, I just want to say one prayer as we close here as well. And then Charlie's going to come up and help lead us in a time of communion. But Lord, right now we come to you. And with things that we heard, Lord, I pray that something sticks out to help us um, just lean in. And Lord, so right now I pray for boldness to share our stories because they do matter. 
the ways that you have worked in each and every one of our lives matters and could help reach someone else. So Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for saving us, for restoring our lives. Lord, right now I pray against the demon of fear and the attacks of the enemy to distract from these conversations taking place. We bind any of those things that are not of you um, up in Jesus' name and claim them defeated as we pray for a spirit of boldness and confidence in you because you are with us. Lord, we lift up the three people that possibly we thought of earlier or even people that come to mind right now. And Lord, we pray for you to open doors so we can share our eternal hope, our story of salvation, um, the truth that we've received in you, that we can share that with them. Lord, help them to see you through us the next opportunity that we get. And Father, as we just close this time, we ask for more of your kingdom to come here on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. You have been listening to the Kitsap House podcast sermon series, a Kitsap House production. We are located in Port Orchard, Washington, with in-person worship every Sunday at 1730 Southeast Mile Hill Drive inside the Raw Gym in the Town Square Mall. Services are 10 a.m. For more information, go online to kitsaphouse.org. Don't forget to subscribe and tell a friend. Thank you and God bless.